Parshas Mishpatim, Tafshin Peydal 2024. Welcome, everyone. Another wonderful week of Parsha class. I forgot to mute everyone. I will meet you right now. Bam. Um, okay. Um, Parsha, the Parsha has a few famous things, hopefully, we'll touch on. The bulk of the Parsha, if you would really like, overly um, generalize it into one category, one topic, talks about civil law, civil law of, of Jewish civil law, Had all the different things that go on, people damage other people, people lose things that belong to other people, people who are responsible to watch other people's things, borrowing money, all of that stuff, um, some, um, it talks about other things also, um, borrowing, lending, talks about cursing, um, saying Hashem's name in vain. Um, it basically, actually, if you go through the Sukkim, some of the Rishonim, some of the early commentaries, there's a few, it goes literally all of the 10 of the Asaras Adibros, of the um, 10 commandments, they're all in some way, shape, or form repeated again in a, some sort of context throughout the part, throughout the, the this week's Torah portion. Shabbos is mentioned, um, and the three holidays of Sukkot, Pesach, and Shavuos. The and famously, the parsha ends off with anyone know something that everyone thinks happened. Oh, this is a hint. Something that everyone thinks, every child in school thinks, and they're probably taught not correctly, happened in last week's Parsha, but really happened in this week's Parsha. And if you have a blue art school chumash on page 441, they actually put it on the side, in the bottom of the art school chumash in English. And if anyone can guess, you will make my day. I'll give you a hint. They got two crowns because of it. The Jewish people got two crowns because they said something, two words, very special words. They said two very special words, and they got two crowns. Beautiful. Nasa Most people think it happened last week's Torah portion, whole story with the revelation of God in Mount Sinai, but really, it's only mentioned in this week's Torah portion. Hopefully, we will have time and get to that later. Let us start. I wanted to talk primarily about this idea of, of the, the title of... of medicine and in Jewish thought, but um, no, no, I'll talk about that first because I hope I have I just want to have time to get through the whole thing nicely. So in this week's Torah portion, in this week's Torah reading, there is a very interesting Pasuk. Pasuk says, it's talking about when a person damages someone else, Okay. A person damages someone, he has to pay, in the Gemara terminology, five things. Five things he has to pay. Nezek means the damage. Sar means the pain. How do we rate pain in the Gemara terminology? How much would a person pay to go through the pain in some way, shape, or form? I don't know exactly how they calculated it, but would you 
the way my rabbi always used to say, to have a surgery with anesthesia, without anesthesia. How much would you pay for the difference? <laughs> That's obviously a surgery. It's a little different than getting a, a bruise, but if someone punches you in the eye and get a bruise, it's clearly not as difficult as a surgery. But the, the general idea of the difference between having the same thing with pain without pain. Nezek is the, is the damage itself, the intrinsic damage of how much the person got permanently damaged. Tsar is the pain. Ripoy is, is the, the, the doctor bills. This is the one we're going to focus on. Nezek Tsar Ripoy. Sheves is his absence of work, his missing work, missing his job. And again, the Gemara has an interesting way of calculating that. It's not just, well, this guy's a neurosurgeon, so he can make $150,000 a day, whatever they make. Um, it doesn't work like that. It's how much a person would be willing to to make by doing nothing, by being a, a, a security guard, by being a, a whatever it is. I don't want to offend anyone if anyone's professions, but being a simple job, just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. So how much would a person pay would a person be willing to, to do for that for? So if a person is, let's say, a, 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 I don't know what it is, he's a high-powered hedge fund, hedge fund manager. So if he's uh, in the prime of his career, presumably, well, he's not willing to just sit down and make 12 bucks an hour on become, being a, a, a watchman because, because he's trying to do something more productive. But he would, at, for some, at some cost, for... 100 bucks an hour, whatever the number is, he would be willing to, or 50 bucks an hour, whatever the number is, he would be willing to sit and do nothing all day. Now, someone who's uh, who's uh, who's perhaps uh, in the checkout counter in a grocery store, maybe they would be willing to, to go and sit and be a watchman for even less than minimum wage because to them, that's, that's vacation. Everyone has their own um, value to what that was. So Nezek Tarib Shavas and Baishas. Baishas is the embarrassment that a person has. It's very interesting how it works in in, in, in Jewish law, in Jewish court, in, in a in a in a regular secular court of law in America. The way it works is that we look at damage. Damage is a one big entity that really encompasses everything and we just look at it as a single thing. Now a lot of things can come into play in damage and in the judicial system in America they will try to squeeze every penny out of the person in, in, in a in a in a in a lawsuit for a uh, personal injury personal injury but right if a guy person slips on the ice and then they're suing the the, the uh, person slips on the ice outside schnooks so they're suing schnooks for like fifty million dollars because you can figure out whatever you want. Now, it's probably not going to get it, settlements, etc. But, but in Jewish court of law, there's five distinct separate things that the person has to pay for. And they're each mutually exclusive. And some people will have one, not the other. Some people will have four, not five. That's how it works. Okay? Now, how does the Pasuk say it? What does the Pasuk actually say? What the Pasuk says is, Rak Shivto Yitain. Only he, he only has to give him the shifte, the, the sheves, the, the absence of work. Virapa yirape. Rapa yirape is a double a double language to say that, and he and he has and 
and his medical bills. For some reason, I can't find the bus. Like, I don't know where it went. So he has to pay for the medical bills. Here it is. Here, um, page 420, 421, um, chapter 21, verse 19. If he does manage to get up and he, he, he does not die from the injury, he actually gets up. He gets up on his own power or whatever the, the discussion in the Gemara, exactly what that means. He's a, the one who, who hurt him is absolved from the potential of the person dying. Only for his lost time, lost, his lost time shall he pay, and he shall provide for healing. Okay? Now, there is a Gemara. See, all of, it, all of this seems to be very beautiful, very innocent, very, very innocent uh, Pasuk, very innocent verse, talking about medical bills of a person who gets killed. Now, a person who gets hurt. Now, there is a Gemara in the 8th parak of Tractate Bavakama, the 8th chapter of Tractate Bavakama. It's a very famous Gemara because uh, most children in yeshiva and school um, learn this this chapter in, um, in yeshiva. It's one of the classics. And it says like this, Mikan from here, um, from here we see that Yitain Hashem, I don't remember exactly what the Pasuk says, Rishos, the Rife, the Rapid. We hear from here we see that Hashem gives permission for a per, for a doctor to heal. From here we see, I'm just trying to find the Rashi, Rashi doesn't talk about it. From here we see that Hashem gives permission to doctor to heal for a doctor to heal. Okay. Now let's this is where it all gets very, very exciting. Now we all live in a new world. Not exciting, I'm sorry, not exciting. We don't like going to doctors. I did I wasn't able to make that connection to what you just said. Was there something that you said before? No, about- it's very it's very it's very it's very simple. The verse says, and this person shall go to the doctor to get healed. And I, assuming I'm the guy who hit him, I have to pay for damages. That's it. The Gemara says, from here we see that a person is allowed to go to a doctor. From, from here we see that Hashem gives permission for a doctor to heal. That's well, it. I, can, I, I see where... Okay, well, we'll, you can we'll, go we'll, to a doctor, but where? How do you get that Hashem gives permission? Okay, well, we'll discuss this in a second. But oh, okay. you, exactly. Okay. I'm very good. Very good. So <clears throat> the question is like this. Okay, so Hashem created a world. We all live in this beautiful world. Hashem created. Okay, Hashem puts illness in this world. Okay, we all um, either. Sadly, have have gone through illness at some point of our lives. No people for sure that have had had different things in their lives. Hashem put it in there. So if Hashem gave it to us, why or how do we have? I'm going to use this word even though I don't really mean it. How do we have the chutzpah 
to go against Hashem's will. Hashem gave us an illness. Doesn't he want us to deal with it? Why we let her go against his will and, and heal ourselves? Apparently, that would be the step one. Like, well, how can we do anything? How can we do uh, on that? The Gemara says, "Well, the Torah is telling us that you go that he went to the doctor. He goes to the doctor. That the guy who got who got damaged, who got punched in the face, he goes to the doctor to get stitches." Clearly, the Torah is telling us it goes to the doctor. Clearly, Hashem gives permission for a person to go to the doctor. Because otherwise, why would I be obligated to pay for his doctor bill if he's not supposed to go to the doctor? Clearly, he's supposed to go to the doctor. We just learned a beautiful piece of Gemara that you got to use your hands. Clearly, he has to. Very good. Everyone, everyone, you got it. You got it. Amazing. Leslie's got both hands. Okay. We'll save it. Soon we'll get even deeper. Okay. So now this is the basic idea of the step one, step two. Step one, a person um, theoretically shouldn't be allowed to go to the doctor. He should be um, accepting God's decree. And then, nope, the Torah says, no, the Torah says you're supposed to go to the doctor. Okay. Now I'm going to, I want to discuss a very interesting machlaikas between the Rambam and the Ramban. So the Rambam was Maimonides. He was one of the greatest leaders. He happened to have been a doctor himself. Ramban was one of the other great leaders of that era. He lived a little bit after, but around the same era. Um, I think they overlapped for a bit. Um, and he, they are having this interesting disagreement on face value. And then I'm going to share with you a piece from Rav Dessler in Mechtav Meliyah. Rav Dessler was a a, uh, a great Jewish, um, I guess you'd call him a philosopher. I don't know how to describe him, but a great Jewish thinker um, the mid-1900s, early 1900s. And he explains, and he says that they don't even argue. He has a whole beautiful piece explaining how there's no argument there, and hopefully we'll get to this all before our time runs out. And hopefully we get to more stuff. So basically, Ramban says like this. Is, this Ramban is in Parshas Bechukosai. It's not on our parasha. Parshas Bechukosai, chapter Chavav, chapter 26, verse... I wrote here, verse... I don't know, verse 1. To, one second. Um... Chapter 26, verse 20. Hmm. Somewhere. Um, verse 3, I think. Second. Verse, what did I write? Verse. Good Aleph. Oh, verse 11. So in verse 11, it says in here. My sanctu- um, um, I will place my sanctuary among you and my spirit will not reject you. That is what the verse says. It's talking about the blessings, what happens when the Jews do the right thing, the Jews do all the mitzvahs, all the commandments. They will have wonderful lives. They will have an abundance of blessing. The Ramban says that when Claudius Yisrael, when the Jewish people followed the laws of the Torah, f- fulfilled the mitzvahs, did not transgress the negative commandments, did not transgress the Averos. As a whole, they didn't do 
anything medical. They didn't need to do any medical treatments. They didn't do any, 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 uh, never went to visit a doctor, never did any natural remedies. And then the Ramban says, so too in the times of prophecy, the great men, the tzaddikim, the spiritually, um, pe spiritual people, people who are spiritually inclined, when they got sick, when they had an ailment, they didn't go to the doctor. Rather, they went to who? They went to the prophet. And they went to the prophet, and their prophet that they're talking about in this context is not the prophets we're talking about. We are familiar with. We're familiar with the prophets that gave prophecy for the whole nation, for the Jewish people, for the future generations. We have them documented, written down. These were lower-level prophets who were prophets, but they were mainly prophets that dealt with private people, and they were able to. They had a very clear um, and wisdom that was attained from the. Um, connecting to Hashem and becoming close to Hashem and studying Hashem's Torah and doing the mitzvot and not having even one idle moment of their of their day. And they were able to see into a person's essence and see what a person was made out of. And they were able to tell a person exactly what his his mission is supposed to be. They were to, you had come to the, the prophet. They're called, actually, in case anyone knows, they're called a Ben-Navi, a, a, a prophet that we're familiar with. It's called a Navi, a, a Navi. Prophet, and they're called a ben navi. It literally means the son of a prophet, but a ben navi was called a navi that was mainly you mainly uh, connected to people on a private basis. And these people would tell you, you'd walk over to the, navi, the ben navi, and he would tell you your mission is to focus on chesed, on on kindness. The next person would come in and says your mission. He would be able to look into you and see not like. The, the palm people nowadays. This was real. This is real, genuine stuff. And he would say, you're, you're supposed to focus on studying Talmud, studying Gemara. You should be spending more time studying Chumash. All these of you were to tell everyone what they, what they were supposed to be doing. What happens when a person got sick? You go to him and he will tell you, this is the specific negative commandment. This is the specific Avera that you have been a little bit iffy on in the last little while, fix that. He would fix it, and he would get better. That is how it worked, says the Ramban, in the times of prophecy. Okay. So what the doctors do in those days? Doctors, doctors existed. The Gemara talks about doctors. There were doctors in those days. Says the Ramban in the times of prophecy, you know what doctors did? Doctors were there to tell you which mushrooms were poisonous. Um, my father-in-law holds all mushrooms are poisonous. He doesn't like mushrooms. With which, um, which foods are healthy, which foods are not healthy, how to keep your body in shape, how much exercise, do all that type of stuff. That's what doctors did. When a person was sick, he went to the prophet. So then the question goes now, hmm. So when the Torah tells us in this week's Torah portion, in this week's parasha, what does the Torah say? It says if the person gets hit, he gets hurt, you smash, someone smashes someone else, what does he do? He pays five things. One of the things he pays, he pays for doctor bills. Well, according to the Ramban, why am I supposed to be paying for doctor bills? He's supposed to go to the prophet. He has a ailment in the eye. Go to the prophet. And the prophet says, "You know what? Your 
do you know what your problem is? You know what the affair is? You're hanging around with the wrong friends. No, I'm kidding. The prophet would say, the guy, you, the guy punched you in the eye. You got, you got, he'll tell you what sin you, had, you did. Should have. So I'm not I'm I, I'm still obligated to pay for that. So we're going to get to that later on, exactly how that ties in. And that's really one of the proofs that the Rav Nestor uses later on. We'll, we'll see that. The Ramban says that we're not allowed to rely on a nace. We're not allowed to rely on a miracle. So the Ramban, I'm just, I'm going to get to this later, but just in case I lose, um, I lose the the, the the flow. The Rahman says that we don't rely on miracles. So if we don't rely on miracles, so he may have to go to the prophet. But me, I'm obligated to pay for it. <laughs> I still have to pay for it. I'm obligated to pay for his doctor bills. He's supposed to choose to go to the prophet and not go to the doctor. He's supposed to choose to do the right thing and do tshuva and, and do a little bit of a uh, uh, soul searching to see what he has to remedy in his spiritual life, but that's none of my business. I still have to pay for the doctor bills because I was the one who damaged him. That was how that's how the Ramban explains it. I think that satisfactory, but we'll see later on how Vesta really flips it over. That is the opinion of the Ramban. So, on face value, the Ramban holds. A person is not allowed to go to a doctor. A person is obligated to do tshuva. Every time a person gets sick, he's supposed to do tshuva on face value. That's what it seems. We'll explain that later on. The Rambam, Maimonides, says, Daniel, you look very disturbed. No, no. Okay, fine. <laughs> the, the, the Rambam argues, at least on face value, and he says, no, what do you mean? There was a famous book of remedies written by King Solomon, Shlomo Melach, and it had the cure to every illness in the world. One had an illness, went to the book, and whoever had the book, they opened it up, they found the illness. What did Shlomo Melach tell you to do? There's a whole three or four pages in, 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 in Talmud about it. A lot of funky... Uh, of of some of the remnants of what was remembered from the book. A lot of funky stuff going on there if you want to check it out. A lot of interesting things about slicing chickens open and let them um, drip on your head and climbing in water and drinking beer and whatever. A lot of wine. A lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting things going on in the Gemara. And the commentators tell us, please don't try them at home because you may not know exactly how to do it. And if you don't, and if you do them... <laughs> And they don't work. You're going to have questions. You're going to say, well, clearly the Talmud is lying. So really, we don't know exactly how to do them because there's no measurements in the Talmud. They just tell you basic ideas. So we should remember the idea that these these remedies existed. But they don't actually tell us how to do them. Therefore, they don't really work if we try them. But that does not mean that they didn't work then. They certainly worked then. Because King Solomon, the greatest um the smartest man that ever lived, he wrote it. And then, in the days of Chizkiyahu, a king that lived later on in the in the in the one of the Jewish kings, he hid the book. Why did he hide the book? Because too many people who were not worthy were looking up the remedies, even though they did many many sins, and they were looking up the remedies, and they were just getting cured from it, and therefore. He hid the book. That is what the Rambam says. So the Rambam says, well, what do you mean? 
if Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, wrote it clearly, it was he, he was okay with it being written. So why did Chizkiyo, who lived much later on, have the right to hide it and throw it away? So he explains like this. It wasn't necessarily that people um, were, were, were using it that, that was the issue. Rather, in the olden days, in the times of King Solomon, people used it but they connected it to Hashem. They recognized clearly that none of these remedies made any sense. They didn't have any real physical um, um, medicine, medicinal properties. It was, you did this and you followed the, the rules from King Solomon and you put your faith, put your trust in King Solomon or in God himself. And then you got cured. And then what did you do? You said, wow, praise the Hashem. Then he cures illness. But then, with the times of Chizkiyahu, what happened was they forgot about Hashem and they thought that the cures themselves were healing and they ignored Hashem. And that's why Chizkiyahu says, no, 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 it's not going to work. He hit it. Now, if you want to get healed, you have to actually pray. You have to actually daven, which is what you're supposed to do anyways. But that's what they were forgetting about. So says the Rambam, Rambam, we see from him very clearly that one is allowed to um, um, do physical, practical remedies to, to as long as it's done the right way. And the Rambam gives a proof. And this is the most unique, interesting, yet fascinating proof. He says, do you know what is one of the greatest illnesses ever? And it kills, I don't know, I call it thousands or millions of people every year. If you're anyone thinks out of the box, you're going to get it. But if you don't think out of the box, you're never going to guess what I'm, what I'm going for. There's one illness that's not really an illness that kills thousands of people every year. And the remedy is so, so simple and so, so easy. And we do it every day, almost every day. Except for Yom Kippur and Tishabav and all the other fast days. There you go. Hunger. Hunger and starvation is an illness an illness that kills countless people every year and the remedy for starvation and for hunger is slice of bread and that's it. The Rambam uses this as a proof, fascinating proof, that if you believe, says the Rambam, that you're not allowed to cure an illness, how are we allowed to eat? We feel... We feel bad, we feel pain, we have headaches, we're nauseous, and then we cure ourselves. Like Dan's doing right now, he's thirsty, he takes a drink, and you got it, and I'm going to do it right now also. How are we allowed to drink? And Steve, you're on the train. Anyone else? <laughs> so, how are we allowed to do that? Says the Rambam, of course. He uses an interesting Hebrew word, but I'm just going to translate it as, of course, you would be a fool to say that you're not supposed to eat. That's a clear remedy to a sickness, to an illness. So explains the Rambam that obviously, if we have an illness, we are allowed to get it fixed by natural causes. We don't just say, Hashem, make me feel better, and then Hashem just like pops fluid into your body. That's not how it works. So explains the Rambam. So why are we allowed to eat? So oh, the Rambam says like this. 
When we eat, what do we do right before we take a drink? What, before we eat, what do we do? Look up to Hashem. We say, thank you, Hashem. And we shouldn't, this is just a little bit of a parenthetical thought. We shouldn't just say, thank you, Hashem, for giving us food, right? We should feel the hunger and feel the thirst, feel the throat being parched. And we say, thank you, Hashem, for giving me a drink to alleviate my parched throat or to alleviate the little pings in my stomach. We say thank you, Hashem, for giving us a natural way to save ourselves from the pain or to alleviate the pain. And what happens when we finish eating? We say thank you, Hashem, for giving us all that delicious food and making us feel much better right now than we felt before. So says the Rambam, that is the only thing we need to do. When we take medicine or we go to the doctor or whatever, maybe anything in the medical world, we should have the same thought process as when we take a drink or we take a, take a bite of food. We take a Tylenol. We say, thank you, Hashem, for giving us something to help alleviate our headache. Or when it's something that's more serious and something that right, in, a, in a doctor performs a, a surgery that's successful. We, before we go into the operating room, we say, thank you, Hashem, that my life is not doomed, that I have an option. Someone, Hashem, you gave wisdom to man to be able to heal me. And then if it's a successful surgery, we say, if it's not a successful surgery, this whole different topic, thanking Hashem for the bad, the same as we think of for good, not today's topic, but just if, if it's a successful surgery, all the more so, we should say, thank you, Hashem, for giving wisdom to man to help me become a better person, help me become a more healthy person. And that, says the Rambam, is all you need to do. And that is how we have permission to, to, do, uh, to, to live in this world. I'm sorry, to, to, to do a, to, to, to do have medical intervention in this world. So Rav Dessler says, Rav Dessler, let's go back to 21st century, or 20th century, I should say. Rav Dessler says, now on face value, it looks like they're arguing. The Ramban says nothing, you can't do anything, you got to go to the prophet. If you don't go to the prophet, you're doing the wrong thing, you're missing the boat, you're not really getting to the root of the cause of the issue, you're just getting rid of the symptoms, Hashem is trying to send you a message. The Rambam says that no, you're allowed to. Says of Dessler, really it's the same thing. Really, there's two different levels. The Ramban is talking about Yechide Segula, special, special spiritual people who are completely on a higher plane. And they don't need to do anything. And he proves this from the Rambam's Raya. So the Rambam brought the proof from the food. He says the Rambam agrees to the Ramban. It's confusing with the names. The Rambam says, I, he agrees also that there's a higher level, that if a person's really holding the higher level, that he can connect the dots, and he connects that Hashem is always the one who's putting everything, and it's completely genuine to him, that everything that comes to his mind, everything that comes to his life is all directly from Hashem, every issue, every illness. So he's supposed to go to Hashem. And he proved that, and Rav Dessler proves, he says, there is a person who lived for 40 days without any food. Moshe. Moshe went up when he accepted the Torah for 40 days and 40 nights. He lived on such a high spiritual plane that he didn't eat any food, didn't drink any drink, and didn't sleep any sleep. That's, that's the Ramban's um, level of not doing anything in this world even for the illness of, of hunger, even for the illness of starvation. The, the, 
Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have to do anything, and Hashem kept him alive. No problem. No side effects whatsoever. Now, the Rav Dastor explains, and therefore it goes without saying that none of us are holding on that level. So we all follow, the everyone that we know follows the, the level of the Ramban. That's the, I'm sorry, of the Rambam, that's the lower level where we certainly should go to be going to doctors and we're obligated to go to doctors and we are, as the Rambam says, we will be, a, we are all considered fools if we don't go to doctors. The same way a person would be considered a fool if he doesn't eat any food and thinks that all of a sudden he's going to um, just stay healthy without eating food. It's the same thing. So Rav Dessler explains it really it's the same thing and really there's two levels. So Rav Dessler says, so what's the whole big deal that the Ramban is talking about? Why is the Ramban making such a to-do about this whole spiritual level but not going to doctors if we don't even follow his opinion? Even he agrees that we don't follow that opinion anyways because we're not on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Rav Dessler says that the reason why he's so busy with it is for us to recognize and for us to understand what the real priorities are. Yes, we don't follow that, but to remember that really the way it's supposed to be, really the way it's supposed to be is that we're supposed to connect to Hashem. Really, we're supposed to connect all the dots. If we get a bump in the knee, we're supposed to really think, what does Hashem want from me? Why is my knee hurting? If we have a, a pain in our stomach or whatever may be, really what we're supposed to be doing is is what does Hashem want from me? What's my what do I need to do tshuva? Now we're not holding there, so we don't follow that. We actually have to go to the doctor. We actually have to go to the doctor. We actually but first we should realize that if we were holding on the level where we connect the dots, we wouldn't even be going to the doctor. We'd be going straight to re- repent. From our sin. We're not holding that. We don't follow that. But we should remember that that's, at least in our heads, we should think about the fact that that's the real answer to all the issues. And really, if we, if we get it all to the nitty-gritty of different examples, everyone's going to have their own. I don't want to do that, but if you think about just, I'll just use COVID as an example, because COVID is something that really struck us in, in a very hard way. In, in, in across the globe and and that's something that be included as as guilty as charged as anyone else as right, on day one of COVID and day two of COVID we're all petrified we're all scared we're all nervous some of us it lasted longer than others but for the most part the focus that we all had throughout the the COVID era was how and when can I get back to normal, back to regular? How and when will I be able to forget about all this? That was the thought process. And if we think about it, although that is certainly what we should be doing in a practical way, but in a spiritual way, really just to think about, well, what are we supposed to do? Why did Hashem do this to us? What was the purpose? What are we missing? Why did Hashem make us hunker down in our houses for, for months or years? What, what was What's going on? What do we need to do to, to, to repent? What do we need to do? And that's something that was lost. It's certainly at this stage in in the game is lost by everyone. And 
that's, I guess, the lesson we, we're supposed to take out of this. Although, certainly we have to do our due diligence. Certainly, our, our mission, our avoda is to is to make sure we get the best medical treatment we could. But to always have in our heads, to always have in the back of our minds, that Hashem does want something from us spiritually. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everyone.